0: Boys and girls, time is here. That's right, we are still talking Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Camp Crystal Lake, or at least the dock that an old dead body used to be chained to the bottom of it, as close as we can possibly get anyways. And this is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We will be talking about all the gory details of Friday the 13th, Part 7, in the hopes that a partier's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them. And as always, there is only one person I trust to make sure that if I'm just going to do a little bit of a touch-up, honey... She's going to make it happen. The one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina?
1: Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm still recovering from our, our birthday pot extravaganza. I, I've eaten nothing but midnight snack shish kebab for the past <laughs> two weeks now. Fra- uh-huh. Frankly, I'm a little tired of it. I, I'm ready to try something new.
0: I did not know the Pandora's box that we were quite opening when we started talking about shish kebabs and whether or not they are a midnight snack. There were a lot of opinions online. Get out of town. People online have opinions specifically about shish kebabs and how long their preparation time is. And I think all the evidence leads to shish kebabs are not a fucking midnight snack, people. It's not okay. Uh, Anyways, the good news is we are not alone for our journey to the party of doom. No, we have on a very special guest. Uh, she is a publisher. She's a writer. Uh, she is on Twitter with the uh, horror honeys, uh, which if you are not subscribed to, you must right now. And of course, she's also a podcast host of Carry On, the one and only Cat Wells. Hey How are you guys, doing,
2: I'm wonderful. How are you?
0: Excellent. So much better now that you are here to help us with this muddled mess of a uh, terrible, terrible party. <laughs> now, Kat, you are a person who I feel has a diverse array of interests. You seem to very much love true life murder mysteries. For right? sure. Yeah. Okay. And you also have a podcast about sex in the city.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which
0: is, which is like True Life Murder. <laughs> they, uh,
2: they seem they seem dissimilar, um, and they are. But, <laughs> you know, I, I've always kind of looked at it, mu- much like the way that I look at horror podcasts or at horror movies, and I, from listening to your, your guys' episodes, I can see you feel the same way. Even though you feel an intense appreciation for them, you're not afraid to be critical. and that's kind of how we approach sex in the city um, on our podcast. We love the show, but we recognize its flaws. So you know, I think I think uh, I, I la- yeah, I like dipping a toe. I like learning about serial killers, and I love Carrie Bradshaw. So sue me.
0: No, no, I wouldn't have it any <laughs> other way. The, the world needs more people with diverse interests. We don't need to define ourselves by one thing. And that being said, This is a podcast where we define ourselves by one thing, and that is where you first saw a Friday the 13th movie. Where in your life did you first come across it?
2: I this I have a very clear and simple answer for this. I have an older brother. He's about six and a half years older than I am. And I, I'm almost positive that the very first Friday the 13th I ever saw, which continues to be my favorite sequel, was part six, Jason Lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm sure we rented the VHS from the video store and we would watch it over and over again. Um, I'm I was probably, I'm guessing I was... 10 or maybe a little younger. So that was my first introduction to Jason was campy, meta, jokey, sex, like all the best things about the series Zombie Jason. Um that was my first introduction and then of course later I saw all the rest of them.
0: Pouches, uh misogyny in the woods, yeah. Uh, RVs that don't catch on fire. Everything. Alice
2: Alice Cooper music.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which Uh, Upon listening to the party music in our particular section of the movie for this episode, I pine for the days where our ear holes were filled to the brim with Alice Cooper and felony, as opposed to (laughs) whatever the hell is going on here.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: It sounds like in excess, but on lewds they can't come up from.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely like somebody's idea of air quote, new wave air quote.
0: Uh, yes, but Transmuted, like they can't decide if they want to be post-New Wave pop that that has a lot of chunky guitars, but they also kind of want to be glam and, and and hair metal-esque. You know, a lot of Dial MTV is happening in the midst of this, and it's the worst version of Dial MTV rock ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, As a person who suffered through a great amount of dial MTV rock, I can tell you, it it was a terrible time to be alive. (laughs) Um, But infinitely better than now. Uh, Let's get back to... (laughs) Jesus, no kidding. Okay. At the moment of this recording, the the world does feel like it's falling apart, but you know what holds us to its center? That is the people who are still left alive in this movie. So let's quickly give you a body count to review who has survived so far. Let's start with Tina. Now this isn't the Tina from part four and it's not the Tina from part five. This is the new Tina, who looks like she's dry swallowing an Advil whenever she summons her godlike telekinetic (laughs) powers. Uh, Then we have Tina's mom, Mrs. Shepard, yet another mom not given a first name. Uh, Fun fact about Mrs. Shepard, she was the hair model for all of the Lost Boys.
2: (laughs) I was about to say, that's some glorious hair right there, held up probably by Aquanet, if I had to guess.
0: Aquanet, dreams, uh, a series of trusses. I'm not really (laughs) sure. Everything that allows it to be as curvy and buoyant as it is. That That said, like every girl in this movie has a version of the exact same hair. It seems to be a football of follicles right above the forehead. And then a swooping where like someone should skateboard down the side of it along the back. I
2: it's... don't think hair does that anymore. Like,
1: that, we've lost something. Yeah, we don't have that hairstyle anymore where if someone were to wrap you on your head with their knuckles, it would make a sound. Is that sort of... <laughs> Solid, mahogany table kind of sound. That very rich, stenerous tone of, of, of placing a heavy object on top of another heavy object.
0: It, well, there, I told my kid today, who's learning how to ride a two-wheeler, that I grew up not having to wear a bike helmet. And he's like, oh, how did you protect your head? And I said, we had very sturdy hair. <laughs> uh, and that's that, of course, uh, brings us uh, now to Dr. Bad News Cruz who once again has been brought to the screen by Terry Kaiser. Now, we've talked a little bit about Terry Kaiser in the past, but we we should note a couple of his other more notable roles. Uh, In one movie, uh, he was a corpse that uh, was unreported to the police so that uh, two dudes could commit petty larceny and get laid. And then in another movie... Uh, he put Tammy's boyfriend's brain in a T-Rex. And that's all I can and, remember and, and about Terry And he, he also
1: played a corpse whose death was unreported so that two guys could <laughs> continue getting into some hijinks and, and get laid.
0: But in that one, he also became a dancing zombie, which was probably the highlight a, of that a film. A
1: curiously well-preserved corpse. <laughs>
0: uh he's good at playing uh, preserved corpses now let's get let's get to our group of partiers we now we have to start this with nick and he's that kind of bad boy with a heart of gold and legs of a clydesdale got got that
1: canadian tuxedo going on
0: (laughs) that's right he uh oh my god his hair looks like every comic book interpretation of a guy from 1994 there's just a lot of fuzz going up and two going down. I,
1: I just oh. feel like that if you looked at the actor's filmography, he would basically play variations of Brad, Chad, and and Sean in very episodes of ABC After School Specials. He just <laughs> yes. has that nice guy look, the sort of you know, bland boyfriend or love interest of the heroine. He, he looks like he's played a lot of characters named Brad.
2: His hair made me think of uh, Jake Ryan from Sixteen Candles. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I can can really see that.
2: It's like I'm, you know, and even though, like, if I saw a guy with hair like that today, I'd be very confused. I feel like there's something about that hair from watching... Uh, sixteen candles as a kid—that makes me like automatically think that person is attractive, which is counterintuitive.
0: It shouldn't be true. It's rote at this point. Like (laughs) some part of this has infested your DNA, and it's culturally, oh, attractive person. No, not really. I've gotten a look at this person. What he has to say.
2: And Uh, how old is he supposed to be in this movie? How old are any of them? But he, because he—he's like he looks. We've
1: established that that it is unclear how old these characters are supposed okay. to be I think Tina is supposed to be maybe 18 and the people at this party range in age anywhere from 18 to 35 it's a very it's yeah. it's, it's a very interesting party it's a key demographic it's Yeah, a, you know. it's, I, I find well, that the the that the uh, on an anthropological level this party is very interesting to observe because we're at the point where it seems like there's four different parties going on and and (laughs) none of these people are interacting with each other very much except to occasionally glare at each other
0: the only thing that holds these people together is this mysterious michael who we only get to meet for like 10 lines in the entire movie so we don't know what it was about him that all these people were drawn to there's
2: your spinoff
0: but none of them seem to like Michael very much. This is something <laughs> yeah, the, we'll get back there, into when we talk there, about there Ben was and Kate.
1: Concerned that he hasn't shown up, that oh, can you believe this asshole doesn't show up for his own party? Well, maybe you should be a little worried that that he's not shown up for his own party.
0: Well, at one point they were talking about how they were pretty much convinced he had been pulled over for uh, driving while intoxicated. So he doesn't have a great sort of q rating amongst <laughs> this group and yet they've all dragged their asses up to new jersey to party with people they do not care to hang out with at all um it's great oh boy all right so uh, let's get into a few more of these terrible partiers let's start with eddie eddie is kind eddie of is, nerd, eddie eddie is the supposedly. audience
1: surrogate let's just let's just face it yes And like
0: all audience surrogates, he's terrible, so that you should feel terrible, because everyone is terrible. Uh, Audience surrogates are worse than paramedics in the (laughs) world of Friday the 13th. Uh, Eddie's a nerd so devoid of personal moral turpitude that he willingly makes fun of a young woman who recently exited a mental health facility just because a pretty girl asked him to.
2: The 80s, man.
0: (laughs) Is it the 80s? I don't or, know. He's like a fuck boy. Like, I think. Oh, I yeah. Kinda, I think I kind of hate him worse. Well, I should apologize to Shelly. We came really down really hard on Shelly when we went through part three. And I think part of that was a direct reaction to the hellacious online torrent of dickheads talking about the Ghostbusters remake around that exact time. Oh, yeah. And that made
2: a lot of people angry. <laughs>
0: uh yeah uh, in in for no fucking reason yeah. but gina and i had had enough and i think we took it out on shelly yeah i think shelly <laughs> deserves some of Shelley it a bit
1: oh. but
0: poor larry zerner who is the nicest man on earth uh, he he heard and he's like oh you really you guys really do not like shelly oh no and i felt bad i i don't i i stand by a good 75 percent of what we said though <laughs> When oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's,
1: it's a terrible character, and and he's he's not. So, it's a, no, it's, it's not, not his fault. Yeah, you know, I think he might have been a little too good in the role. I think he might have had a little bit of a Michael Rooker thing, where where, you know, it's. <laughs> I am incapable of seeing Michael Rooker as anything but Henry Portrait of the Serial Killer. But <laughs>
0: even when he's a blue fin alien, I just cannot see him as
1: anything else but dropping a television on someone's head. I, I cannot. He. <laughs> I, I don't know how this man has maintained being married and having children or being in the same room with anybody else. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a credit to I, Larry Zerner that he was that convincing playing a terrible human being.
0: Uh, it's true. Sure, but and, we, and isn't
1: it more fun to watch
2: these movies when you when you absolutely hate seeing someone get killed or hate you hate the person? So it's like a lot of fun to see them get get what's coming to them.
0: I think that is the grand debate of this podcast in total: <laughs> whether or not. It's better to like the people who are the cast of characters or it is better to hate them. Sure. I I think there's, there's a debate to be had. I don't think there's a right answer and I don't think there's a wrong answer. But I'll tell you right now, if part five is the example of a group of people you hate and that's why you enjoy watching it... Yeah, Not no, thanks. they they <laughs> tried that
1: and it didn't work, and I I could spend a lot of time autopsying why it didn't work, but I don't know that I'll ever be able to come to a solution because because the people no, in this we, movie are terribly likable, with the possible exception uh, exception of Tina and Nick, and 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 yet it was a far more enjoyable movie.
0: That, that's well, I think it's accomplished with more joie de vivre. Uh, that being said, let, let's uh, we're we're rounding the corner here. We just have two more. The first one's robin uh who's a complete turd to her friend for no fucking reason other than she is desperate to have sex with a, a stoner slob who, who compliments David. her
1: by saying you hardly sweat at all
0: i think <laughs> that's my favorite line in this entire movie i think it is the best written line it is the best delivered line it is the stupidest compliment and maybe and she's the best. just
1: melting over it i mean within within minutes they're they're in the sack
0: Yes, that is the gateway to her heart. It's like the thing she's always wanted to hear. But I think the thing she always wanted to hear was, I want to sleep with you. And then that's all it took. I'm not I'm not shaming her for having a desire to catch some dick. That's more power to her. I think she can do better than David. But then again, the way she treats her friends, maybe she can't. I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, that, that brings us to Melissa. Who may be less of a human being and more of a golem constructed of Mac cosmetics in order to terrorize a very small village that is completely made up of these two she, cabins she's very in this movie.
1: Machiavellian, but in a clumsy and obvious way. Like I, I think I do think it's funny that she yeah. she attempts to hit on Nick. He's not having it. He says he says, I don't like you. She says, Like has nothing to do with it. And then walks over to the other guy and starts flirting with him.
0: She's obviously under the belief that this will make him jealous. But she's, he's pretty much told you, I don't like you at all. And she's like, hasn't stopped anybody else. Maybe it should have.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's got Moxie this one.
0: <laughs> Moxie, or she's a psychopath. Yeah. I can't really determine. It's one or the other. <laughs> uh, but she may be. This may be the ground zero of. He's, he's just little, not almost literally. he's almost literally. She does not that. pick up on that signal. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard to seduce people when they're calling to check up on their dead cousins. This is not the time where people I, feel I'm at qu- their sexiest, or quite when quite they want to make a move. Now.
1: He is calling his cousin and he's doing the whole, come on, pick up, pick up. And then when Melissa enters the kitchen, he says, well, I'm just going to walk around looking at the wood, looking, looking in the woods for him. Who is he talking to?
0: I don't know. I, I, this entire sequence of the movie that we're going to be discussing sees not one, not two, not three, not four, but five separate people just wander into the fucking woods. <laughs> like maybe Tina has the best excuse, which is I'm going to run this Delta 88 off the road. And now I got to walk somewhere, but she's the only one with a decent excuse. Everyone else is like, okay, I don't know what to do now. And the script says, yeah, I'm, wander I'm, I'm, in the woods.
1: If you are, good enough to your, you have someone to arrive at a party and they have not arrived. It would seem to me that the logical conclusion one would make on how to find them would be—I well, don't know—calling the local constabulary. Maybe the, the the hospital. I mean, I realize the hospital <laughs> at Crystal Lake is pretty busy, but you could probably you could probably call yes, it and say, "Hey, has a guy named Michael whatever been brought into the emergency room?" No, he's just going to wander around and just try <laughs> to in woods he's not familiar with, as as, as we've established. That all these people have come out of yes. town. And he's just going to wander around trying to find this person, what, driven into a ditch? What does he expect to find? Yeah, maybe they've
0: fallen over.
1: I feel like
2: I, the way that I've I've justified this for myself is after all these years. I mean, this movie opens with like the line, you know, like "there's a legend around here" or whatever. <laughs> the beautiful voiceover—that's so fun. And I feel like—and um, that sounded sarcastic, but it wasn't. I actually love it. Um, but uh, but you know, I feel like after after all of these years of of this like nasty energy and like zombie Jason and you know all this stuff, and this is like the paranormal. S- sequel um of this series and it's like and maybe there's this like psychic energy that's just drawing them out into the woods to die because jason's just like a tornado of like death and destruction and he's just got a lot i mean he's very powerful in this movie he's like he, 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 anyway i don't know that, that's that's the justification i came to in my there brain there <laughs> is
1: a weird sequence in which he just walks up to the window where everybody's partying stands there for a minute and then walks away, and then that's when everybody decides. Well, I think I'm yes. just going to take a little stroll in these woods in the, in the <laughs> dark of night in, the, in a town I've never been to before. That's actually, I, I actually like that theory. That that's I, pretty. That's I, I don't know if that's actually what they were going for, but I do, I, I do like that theory. I'm though. sure it, it was a spookier <laughs> sort of sort of edge on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, she's well, a, and, and at the very least, um, Tina has awakened something. I mean, she's awakened Jason himself f- through her powers, so maybe she's awakened just, like, all the bad juju that's, like, seeped into the ground at this damn lake.
0: If the place does, in fact, have a death curse, as Crazy Ralph has so put it, and he's a sage enough man, he's stared in an- enough windows staring at, <laughs> at, at people having sex to know some things about this town. Yeah. And... If it does, in fact, have this random death curse that just makes people do stupid things, a la Cabin in the Woods, I actually kind of love this theory because we have really entered into super supernatural areas. Whereas in Part 6, it was a monster movie. He was Frankenstein. He's risen by lightning. He's drowned in a lake. Now he's been risen by this telekinetic psychic power so we're we're into some weirder territory here, and I actually like it. Uh, the one other thing I want to state about Jason coming and looking at people through that window is that if you listen to it carefully, you can hear him breathing. And I don't <laughs> think that's fucking possible. I don't think a person who has been living underneath a lake is breathing hard. Looking at people through. When she
2: resurrects him, he's like bubble. There's bubbles coming up from the and he. You can see him underwater, like breathing out bubbles. (laughs) I had the same thought. I was like, "Has this fucker been holding lungs full of air for ten years? Like, what the hell?"
0: Uh, yeah i I call bullshit on this one. This (laughs) is this is where I draw the line. I just don't like. I guess he's still his lungs are coming in and out as, as some sort of. Autonomic regularity, like it's muscle memory yeah, or something. Little, uh, I, yeah, he gets a little. Like, I don't want it. I don't need panty,
1: whatever you want to call it. When he's coming up on Ben and Kate's van, too.
0: Listen, the air is thick with. Oh yeah, there's uh, some. There's like a well timed triple that
1: bone moment, going so. on in that, in that sequence. That's that's. I think that, that might be the one time we've gotten. Well, okay, one of them didn't go full boning but still, I mean, that was also a. a did you guys put this on some sort of itinerary for the party? It's like okay. 10:30 to 11:30 we bonin. <laughs> <laughs> Bone zone.
2: <laughs>
0: we bonin, ladies and gentlemen. I think we've found our hashtag to possibly rival. Yeah, everyone's looking to get bunked and yet does anyone really? Um so so much weird sex. Uh let's let's go let's do, let's rewind back to this party cuz there's there's many details to talk about uh first of all space mummy i'm not that's, buying that pitch i'm sorry i was gonna say that's that's, <laughs> that's your that's your and butter you, you know about uh,
1: pitching and, and and space mummy's not gonna make it in this uh competitive entertainment industry
0: in this market that's uh, space mummy ain't gonna land you on the blacklist i'm tell you right fucking now that's not ip that i'm getting down with uh secondly uh well we've already discussed you hardly sweat at all uh, but the nice thing about You Hardly Sweat at All is that is the straw that breaks little Maddie Dublin's back. She's sick of this. She wanted to have unsatisfying sex with that stoner. And there is her girlfriend almost totally ready and lined up for the Get bunked that's about to go down. And so she storms off and heads upstairs. Looks herself in the mirror, starts manhandling various uh, beauty products, almost does her nails, and then decides, nope, I'm going to do lipstick first. Wait, before I put something on my face, I'm going to take my yeah, glasses I mean, off it's, it's, so I can It's a see very
1: anything. 80s movie, I would say, <laughs> this one, and, and part... Six are, are very much playing into the 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 '80s pop culture, so of course, naturally, it, it's it's inevitable that there would be mm-hmm. a, a makeover scene in 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 a movie that absolutely does not warrant one. Not that not that any movie really warrants a makeover scene. I mean, I could start a whole separate podcast about my strong dislike for makeover scenes, but but this one especially, it's just such a weird moment that, that this is this character's, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and get my man and go through all the trouble of putting on what appears to be a dress with no pants and 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 a lot of makeup that ultimately makes her yes. look about thirty when, when before she looked like she was about seventeen or eighteen.
2: Why is being fancy to women in this movie and really the eighties in general, it's like the they they want to. They're working for Trask Industries or something. Like it's working girl. Like what's happening? Why why is why is it's, looking sexy? It's a sexy very hard looking look. Like your she, mom she
1: kind of looks like she was. She should have been in the in, in heavy metal parking lot afterwards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, as we stated in the last episode, she's having her own ZZ Top lady transformation, where she goes from just working in the shoe shop to then putting on high heels and oh my god, like guys that lady's got legs and then people throw their milkshakes up in the air they just can't believe it
2: i what the the other thing that bothered me is that who i forget the line but someone that bitch tells her you know you need a little upgrade or whatever yes and then she gives herself a little upgrade and then says a little upgrade my ass it's like yeah no but you just did that yeah and you seem happy about it so maybe your friend just gave you some good advice i don't know (laughs) I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's uh not uh yeah, she's falling into the trap. Like she's like, How dare you tell me something that I need to do? I'm gonna go do it. Well, That'll you know, show you. Yeah. Take that. <laughs> <laughs> Stick that where the sun don't shine. <laughs> I just did what you told me to do. I got upset about. Uh. Um Yeah, so she takes off her glasses <laughs> and cue, sixpence none the richer. <laughs>
2: Oh God! It, it's, she is it, it's totes she, all is that. She, uh, I
0: guess that that outfit is confounding.
2: The white heels I really identify with from my childhood because all of my Barbies had like white heels because that's when I had Barbies was when was when white pumps were like a thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mm, yeah, it makes sense to me. And then I was yeah, like, wait, a minute, I know that's she, terrible. She, those first are terrible she's shoes. Wearing
1: like a men's it's, shirt without pants at first. And then later, I'm I'm like, oh, no, it's just a (laughs) weird crop top and a skirt that is also troublingly short. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it it seems to be belted into that chunky white belt up until the point Russell's body falls out of the sky. And then she pulls it out when she screams upward. And then I'm like, oh, I thought that was like a one piece to do. (laughs) And it's actually two separate unattractive pieces of clothing. (laughs) Married together by a chunky belt. So here's the, my big question here. Okay. This leads... To, we're, we're now pulling the thread all the way through. This party is going on. She goes upstairs. We have this miraculous transformation. <laughs> she has legs and she comes out, right? But she does not go down the stairs to the party. She goes out some separate entrance to try to find... This guy, she wants. Yeah, to Yeah, she's. I, I
1: was thinking, did we miss a scene woods? where she saw them go outside?
0: <laughs> why? Do, why isn't there a scene of her going downstairs and saying, "Guys, guys," and it's all empty? And later, it's explained where they've all gone. They've all gone upstairs <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> and and she just missed them. This this would be fine. That would be filmmaking. That would tell me what the fuck is going on. But no, she just emerges out of the door. And she's like, "Hello." Why would
1: they be that, outside? That, that psychic bubble that's drawing oh. people out into uh, the, the merciless woods of Crystal Lake.
0: Yes, that's right. True.
2: And but for an, uh, a loose earring, maybe she would have just called out, not heard she, from she anyone, and gone back inside, but no. She had to find inside, that, that no. missing
1: Claire's earring that probably cost about two fifty, and she's carrying on like it was a it was you know, a, a diamond teardrop hanging from her ear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank
2: everyone, God she found that clip-on down in everyone, the leaves.
0: Why is everyone in this movie so concerned with their fucking jewelry? <laughs> why is it this movie where everyone's like, my necklace, my earring.
2: Oh, <laughs> like, my beautiful like to, pearls.
0: Like they had to sign it out from, from some sort of jeweler before they went to set. I... I, I I don't quite get it, but she does actually recover that earring, which I find impossible, as she is heels on in the woods. Well, well, and the, no she she
1: wears movie glasses. That's a fucking when you, you need them right until there. you don't need them
0: anymore. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Uh, the other thing I sort of noticed in this section, uh, this is part of the the music in this movie is terrible. Unlike every movie that has come before This is the worst Friday the 13th music of all time At one point in the sequence (laughs) It has seagull noises (laughs) They're not at the beach What what the fuck is happening And it's also doubling up on that (laughs) Until it's Like, if it broke out into a Stevie Wonder song, I'd be like, yeah, well, I, I can see that mashup. <laughs> you don't double up on the Kill, Kill Mama's. Come on, man.
2: I have to wonder if there's some story behind the seagulls. I was just reading this story about how apparently... Uh, one of the Backstreet Boys farted while they were recording a, a famous song of theirs, and the fart <laughs> made it into the track, and it was like a really famous song. Um, and and I'm like, you know, and they they the whole story involved like their producer like being like, it's it's gonna be a hit, we're keeping it in. Um, so maybe the seagulls, maybe maybe a rogue seagull <laughs> wandered onto set, and they were like, we gotta leave it in.
0: <laughs> this is perfect. This movie is the fart in the sound booth. <laughs> of friday the 13th movies
2: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) magic is in the air and it came from that dude's butt (laughs) so yeah maddie slowly becomes starts to realize this is a dumb idea i got to get out of here it feels very creepy there are mystery ghost seagulls and then russell's body just falls from the sky and yet another example of Jason Voorhees interior/exterior Slash exterior decorator. But this gag doesn't work so well or maybe it works perfectly. Uh his body thumps to the ground, she freaks out and immediately heads towards a tool shed.
1: Ugh. <sighs> yeah, she's she's maybe what about 20-50 feet away from the house.
0: Yes. No, she uh, mm, this is just this is, again, people have got Friday the 13th disease. Things they knew how to do before, like walk into a house. <laughs> They get confused and they go, oh, walk into tool shed.
2: I'm beginning at this point to think that Jason Voorhees read the secret and like has been (laughs) like bringing good, good vibes to himself. Because not only are all these teenagers just like they come resurrect his ass from the water and then they're just all there for the picking. But now one of them wanders into a tool shed and he gets to come in and be like, which fucking terrifying implement will i employ to to fuck shit up like it's he's like he's no one's ever been so lucky no serial killer has ever had so much you know good fortune as jason in this movie
1: yeah i mean everybody in this movie just just you know folds in his presence immediately i mean she she (laughs) she runs into a shed with i'm pretty sure there's an axe and, and some other, some sort of spiked thing, and then the the scythe that he eventually uses. She doesn't even look. She just runs behind this flimsy wall and just yeah. breathes and sobs as loud as she possibly can. <laughs> it's so loud. While, while refusing to let go of her $20 Contempo casual shoes.
0: Yeah, I don't know if she's trying to pull a... Uh, uh... A sort of atomic blonde maneuver where she's going to stab somebody with her heel but that heel's a little too chunky for that I think (laughs) you might get a a nice uh, contusion but you're not going to get penetration sorry Maddie
2: that's what he said (laughs) (laughs) that's right
0: that is is exactly what he said Um, so yeah uh, this is when we get a nice um, Jason Voorhees likes to break through things Uh, but this time just his hands, that's all he needs. Uh, and he's got, he managed to bust through this thing while holding a scythe because he's got the Voorhees family forearms and he can hold on to anything. (laughs) Uh, and so that's it. R.I.P.D. Uh, Maddie, uh, Dumplin. Um, you deserve better.
2: We hardly Uh, knew ye.
0: We hardly knew any of these people.
1: (laughs) yeah i I don't think that they'll be missed. I, I every time I've, I've been watching this movie in in sections and and every time i I've forgotten their names anew.
0: But in particular, the uh, Crystal Lake Gazette would probably state for this like massacre nine bodies found world a better place.
1: <laughs> Nothing of value was lost. <laughs>
0: We're all okay. It worked out for the best. I don't know know if that's journalism, but, you know, maybe that's why I'm not a journalist. So let's then rewind just a tad, because there's a couple things that happen in here that should be discussed. One is that uh, Mrs. Shepard, whose hair is like a beautiful sphinx... (laughs) Uh, finds this mass of paperwork and recordings that are queued up to just the right moment for her. Of course. So that she can discover that Dr. Bad News is not trying to help her daughter at all. He's trying to make her into a crazier person so that, as Nick White said on his episode, he can finally get her on late 80s Oprah for an episode. And that's when the money just starts piling in uh and she of course takes umbrage to this and he fiddles with his the wrist of his the sleeve of his sweater a lot like he's winding a watch well, i don't a, know what's going on here. You,
1: you missed the part where he who, whose body did he discover
0: well he didn't oh he discovers michael's body right and and and, and he
1: finds the the tent spike and the way he reacts to, in this scene is so inexplicable he, he picks up the tent spike and of course, I'm thinking you shouldn't pick that up. Your fingerprints are no. gonna be all over that. And he slowly walks towards the body in a way that one is supposed to comprehend as sinister, I guess. <laughs> and then he he drops it like like he just took a pan of biscuits out of the oven. like, <laughs> like and then and it holds his hand like he's been burned and I, and I'm like, okay, what just happened here? Did, did, I did, did he suddenly remember, oh, I probably shouldn't be picking up this weapon that was used to presumably murder this human being whose body I've just found.
0: But Gina, you know how Crystal Lake CSI works. Like, they're not they're gonna check for fingerprints. They just grab it with their bare hands and put it in a plastic bag. Exactly. <laughs>
1: and and then he spends the rest of the scene up through talking to Mrs. Shepherd, just rubbing his hand. And I'm like, what is the audience supposed to take? I mean, we know it's not him doing this. So I'm I'm yeah. not sure why the movie suddenly does this weird left-hand turn into implying that he's even more sinister than he actually is he's plenty sinister enough you you don't have to have some weird subplot well maybe it's him that's doing this no we know it's not him
0: does he think that tina's doing it does he think that tina somehow mentally because he knows that tina can make a, a tv move wobbly for on one string <laughs> is he think that that Tina can shoot out a, a tent spike and and gut a guy and put him in a tree. I, I don't think that, because he doesn't know anything of Jason Voorhees at I, all. I
1: don't think that I don't how how he wouldn't. I have no idea because you would think this would make the national news at some point. I mean, I realize this is a pre-internet era that this movie takes place in, but generally speaking, serial killers were were you know they made national news. Yeah, yeah. people knew about Ted Bundy.
0: Yeah, I mean, and yet they still got into he, VWs. He was, so there like, go. he was up to like he
1: was up to like seventy five victims at this point. I, I would think that the name Jason Voorhees would would be somewhat you know familiar to the American public at that point.
0: <laughs> but I, I feel like
1: he he is dodging around. I mean, he's getting ready to leave, but doesn't want to tell her. Oh yeah, there's a corpse outside. We should probably go.
0: That's somebody else's problem People get murdered, I guess, is is what it comes down to. He's much more uh, focused on just tamping down any sort of objections that Mrs. Shepard has to this process and telling her in no uncertain terms, I'm committing your daughter above and beyond any of your objections, so just let me do that. And she's like, Yeah, fuck that. (laughs) So Mrs. Shepard's all right in my book.
2: Oh yeah, she calls him a fucking coward later, which is like it, it was. That was really satisfying.
0: Uh, yeah, when mom uh, yells at uh, Doctor Bad News, it sounds like an elf who's trying to uh, get wolves away from Santa's workshop. <laughs> so uh, Tina ends up taking off in that Delta eighty eight and uh, driving and off the road, um, and. In in a very unspectacular crash. Um, And, of course, that car is fine because it is made of reinforced steel and it is death. Uh, So she just wanders off into the forest where she ends up running into Nick. out, And she's like, I got things to do! And runs off in the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why is everyone wandering in this forest? So that's that subplot. Then... We have to go back and talk about the other two characters that are under our purview for this particular episode, and that is Ben and Kate. Not the Ben of Kate of the Fox show, a completely different (laughs) Ben and Kate. Um, And they are very mad at one another for the majority of the time they're on screen, up until the point they're not. We're never told why they're upset with one another. Any guesses? I he
1: made he, he made comments about the the fact that she's dressed like the neighbor from Small Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> she,
0: she, it's a cosplay. It's she's cosplay. She's got that
1: those acid wash overalls on. That that was a a good nuke <laughs> as the as the kids say. <laughs> maybe
2: he maybe she's mad that he never takes her out to the back of a van for a really romantic sex
1: romp. She might be mad that he never takes his pants off when they have sex. I (laughs)
0: noticed that, too. He doesn't take his pants off. Not not only that, I don't think he took his shoes off. Yeah,
1: he definitely
2: (laughs) hopped out of the van with shoes on.
0: Now, I'm not going to ask any of you ladies for any sort of sex experience in the past in which a man has kept his shoes on. But from my perspective, I will come out and tell you right now, unless I am having sex in the outdoors of itself i take my shoes off that's the least i can do
1: oh i can't even i can't even tolerate leaving socks on oh i mean you could i mean you know i maybe if it's like you know very cold if you're you're out camping somewhere but (laughs) but, you know if you you don't take the socks off you could fuck right off with that (laughs) I I feel very I feel very I feel very very strongly I I, I blame Fast Times at Ridgemont High because I associate leaving one socks on during (gasps) sex with with Mike Damone oh my god you
2: are giving me a moment right now you're out I was like where have I seen that image in my nightmares no Fast Times the the
1: biggest scumbag in, in 80s teen pop culture left his socks on during sex and I cannot disassociate it with that what a piece mm. of shit, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Gina Radcliffe, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's right. She has things. Bow the fuck she down. She has
2: things to say. I approve of that <laughs> rant. I wholeheartedly. Uh,
0: so if you were an asshole for leaving your socks on during sex, imagine pants and shoes. I. It's just, and whenever it cuts back, they have another piece of clothing on. It's like clothing spontaneously combusts onto their body it's like it's their mutant power um but back during the party when they reconcile from the fight that we know nothing about she looks at him and says the strangest goddamn thing i've ever heard which is i love you squid face
1: is that what she said? I, I know she called him something. I it's like, Did she called him Squid Face? Or?
0: I turned on the closed <laughs> captions so that I could be certain. Wow. that That is not... If, is that a pet name that you have given him? Also, he implores her to hit him. And then at one point she does, which makes me think that's part of their sex play
2: it's the so squid face pants and shoes on light slapping i mean you know don't kink shame patrick
0: oh i'm not yucking their (laughs) yum at all i'm just trying to get i'm just trying to get to the nut of the problem here
2: yucking their yum i'm putting that in my back pocket
0: oh listen kids on the internet they'll tell you almost anything (laughs) that's not that's not mine so they end up uh yeah Getting back together, and during uh, the hour of boner power that this particular cabin has, where everyone goes, "All right, we all have sexual partners," <laughs> break, and they go off to their separate corners. <laughs> ben and Kate decide, "Hey, that van that our friends used for sex the other day, let's use that van."
1: Which is which is which is, there... which is decorated with birthday party decorations, which made me wonder: were they going to have the party in the van at some point? <laughs>
0: Yeah, why didn't they take all the decorations out? I mean, you could have more uh, vivid, you know, really done up those two hockey sticks that are in there with more decorations than they already did. Why leave it in the van? Swing for the fences, party decorators. That's what I have to say.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm a- really thankful that they all disperse to like separate private places to have sex because I just rewatched Chopping Mall uh, where all of the couples are just having sex in the same room
0: yes that that takes that that just has an energy I'm not okay with Uh, again if that's your thing I'm not saying it's wrong (laughs) and I'm not saying it's bad I'm just saying I don't want to buy any of that furniture (laughs) And I also do not want to be part of your sex party. There has been on occasion in my life here, uh, living in Los Angeles, a a town I was born and bred in, that I have wandered into a situation where I begin to wonder, is group sex about to happen here? (laughs) And then it never does. And I always feel weird about it. But then I'm like, I don't know. That's like my spidey sense. Is group sex about to happen here? And then it doesn't. <laughs> so I definitely know when group sex is not gonna happen.
2: Wow, that's like Karen and Mean Girls saying her boobs know when it's
1: when it's raining.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much my boobs know when it's raining, <laughs> non group sex well, that's,
1: that's pretty good though, because that'll actually prevent you from being in any like awkward like ice storm type of situations.
0: Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, there's... Yeah, okay. I'm going to shut up now. (laughs) No, please, (laughs) go on. uh, No, 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 no. People in my neighborhood know where I live. All right. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, they decide, uh, let's go have sex in that van. Um, And Russell's having sex with his shoes on. The van begins a rocking of no fault of their own. It's rocking from an external force. And once again a terrible thing is attributed to the friend that they're all there to go see. Michael. Michael's the kind of person who would shove a van you're having sex in. Sounds like a great guy.
2: <laughs> they immediately assume that he's just... If the if the van is a-rockin', a Michael's gonna come a-knockin'.
0: <laughs> yes. He's that kind of person. So why the fuck are you hauling your ass up to New Jersey to celebrate this asshole? He sounds like a real dick.
2: He's a, he's a, he drinks and drives, and, yeah. he, and he interrupts you when you're having and, sex. And, appara- and
0: apparently and he, met- he
1: is, is known for just not showing up for things. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Why wouldn't you go out of your way for his birthday party? So at, at this point, Ben becomes preoccupied with the idea of, quote unquote, getting Michael. Now, Michael knows you exist. Michael knows you're in that van, uh, according to you i don't know how you're gonna get michael but he does he bamps clothes onto his body and so does she and he wanders outside much to her chagrin and he does a full 360 around the van for the most part tooting on that party horn yes uh that's not how you sneak up on people tooting (laughs) horns we, we now have Friday the 13th disease striking people when they're sneaking up on others. They're tooting horns like you do.
2: <laughs> you've got a uh, horn. You've got to toot it. That's just <laughs> the way the world works. I don't know.
0: It's the way this world works, unfortunately. <laughs> and as, as a result of this, he gets crushed uh, vertically, his skull gets crushed vertically. I guess by Jason. Is that what they're going for, Gina?
1: Yeah. I, I, again, we've talked about how the the last couple of movies have been fairly bloodless in in uh, in their kills. Yes, I think he just kind of you know did a little you know grape squishing of his head.
0: Yeah, it's it's a different angle than he's used. he's usually going for that vice like grip here, and uh, this one he goes up top and up bottom which is a very awkward grip
2: it is but you know he figures if he doesn't challenge himself sometimes he'll never it's all about
1: gains you know what i mean
0: yeah that's <laughs> tra- yeah,
1: yeah he's still he's still testing he's still testing out that super strength that that uh that he gained in uh in part six yeah yeah,
0: yeah we we don't get as many oh shit i can do that looks from him in this movie but he's definitely he remembers <laughs> that
2: yeah. we get more oh shit she can do that looks <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
0: We get, we get a lot of astonishment <laughs> later on of this movie. It's fun. It's pretty fun. <laughs> oh, I have stated that I actually like this movie. Um, I don't believe it to be a good movie. But I do like it. I, I think it's very, I think it's funnish.
2: I fucking, I, I re-listened to the Boys and Ghouls episode we did about, we did a two-parter on the whole series. And I was like, I remember not feeling great about this movie. And I re-listened to it and I used the H word. I said I hated it. Ooh. And I know. And then I re-watched it today and loved every fucking second of it. So I guess that's <laughs> a good um, argument for re-watching. I need to just go re-watch like Rob Zombie's Halloween right now. Maybe I'll love it. Oh, no,
0: no. You don't have to do that. You're right. That that feels extraordinary. No, listen, it, 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 you gained something today. I don't did. Don't take it away You're right. so right. You're pulling me
2: back from the ledge. Pull me back. I need to calm <laughs> down. Um, no, That's I think right. this movie is so fun. I actually felt like it was like competently directed. I thought a lot of the shots were really creative. All the kills were really fun. Um, I actually liked some of the characters. Like I don't even know what's come over me, but I'm. this has now moved farther up the list than I ever thought it would for, for me. So, yeah. ugh, I owe you that. Anyway... <laughs>
0: Um, and, uh, so we have a head crushing, so RIPD, Ben, and then very quickly, uh, this is when Kate decides, well, I gotta stick my head out of this window and figure out what's doing. Uh, because while she's put on every other ounce of clothing she has, she hasn't put on her pants (laughs) or those acid wash overalls, actually, that we know that she possesses. Uh, she sticks her head out the window and then Jason (laughs) shoves a party horn, through
1: her eye. I love this death. I, <laughs> I love it. I think it is probably one of the most creative ones in the whole series. You get a little he,
0: honk when he does it. He yeah, he goes, and he just
1: he's making do with what he has on hand. I don't know what yeah. he did with the scythe after after killing Maddie, but but you would think I mean that's kind of a badass weapon. You'd think he'd hold on to that for a while, like with the with the machete. But I guess he was like, Meh, I can't put this in my pocket. I'll just I'll find I'll find something else
0: that's right well he's got as jason bromley pointed out he has a very jackie chan like uh idea of just using what's around uh to accomplish what he needs to do
2: that's pretty smart
0: yeah uh and so kate um you had pretty spectacular hair and you had very unfortunate overalls i'm sorry you're dead (laughs) Uh, so that pretty much wraps up this section of the movie. Uh, and as always, that means it's time for America's least known game show. Choose your own death venture. And that is where we decide of the deaths that we have discussed in this particular episode. If we were forced to die that way, which we would choose and why. And as our guest cat, I I turn to you first for your answer.
2: Well, I've been thinking about this since you brought it up at the beginning of this episode. I have, I have my answer. I feel like I'm going with the horn, the party horn to the eye, because I feel like she has less time to say su- to suffer um, be to to anticipate the death versus the head crushing. That's a long drawn out painful thing until you're dead. Um, and and uh, what's her? What Maddie? She's she's a shaking leaf of a frightened little like drowned rat. Like she's she's she has time to like be petrified and know that her ass is about to die. And I don't, I don't, I don't want that. No, I, I, I want it in, in the sense of like, I'm going to go to a haunted house this year and have a really good time being scared. But if I'm actually going to die, I don't want any, I don't want to lead up. I want, I want to just be dead before I know it. So that's, I choose party horn to the eye.
0: Uh, That's a reasonable argument. Now you're going to have to wear those overalls at some point.
2: Oh yeah. Well, those are like totally in right now. So true.
0: Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna look very very cute um, <laughs> when you go to Cinespia in that uh, outfit. That's right. Which um, <laughs> I've just I've just put that on you. And I'm gonna um, wear like
2: like John Lennon's like super super circular glasses. I'll wear my sunglasses at night oh, yeah. with my acid washed overalls, and it'll be amazing.
0: I don't know why everyone in this town has decided that wearing a Children of the Corn hat is acceptable, <laughs> but everyone has. Um, wow. So that's a little insight it's to true. what it's like in LA in the late summer of 2017. So Gina, you had to suffer through that. Uh, how are you going to make us? Uh, what say you about your desk?
1: I too choose the uh, the party horn to the eye. I, I've known that for weeks and weeks as we lead up to this, uh, but more for a, a, a more simpler reason. It's it's just festive. I I, I think it's a <laughs> It's a fun way to be found with just a, a party horn just sticking out of your head at a jaunty angle. I hope they leave it in when they bury me. <laughs> you
2: know, the crime, CSI guys, like crime scene people, like, you know, they have really rough jobs. So the least you could do is offer them a chuckle on a, on a Monday, you know?
1: Exactly. The only way that could make it better is if they put one of those paper things that you blow on and it, you know, kind of just. You know, kind of unrolls itself if they could just put one of those just kind of hanging out of my mouth. Just, still, just, you know, I, I, I want to be remembered as, as a fun gal, a good time person.
0: Just... <laughs> There's no way to do that than to be found dead with a party horn in your face. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh. Three for three. There's no better death in this sequence than the party horn through the eye, and the fact that it gives a little honk <laughs> when it happens is the best piece of ADR in the entire movie. The oh. Well, that and hearing Jason squish when he walks, (laughs) which I kind of like. He's like a maggot sponge.
2: Ew. Oh, God.
0: Well, before he was just dry. And now he's been marinating in in Crystal Lake. So everywhere he goes, he's just dripping.
1: Mm. Uh, And people
0: can't seem to smell him, which Gina and I have found odd now. This is the seventh, well, the sixth movie, movie we've discussed with him. And how people do not smell him coming from a mile away is baffling.
2: I never thought about that. He probably smells absolutely gnarly.
0: Yeah, and yet he's able to sneak under people's beds and bunk them. Uh, No one has a problem with this whatsoever. Uh, He's a smelly man. We all have to confront this. He's that one guy you knew who's like, oh, I don't believe in antiperspirant, I'm natural. (laughs) And you're like, okay, dude.
1: Pheromones. You know, the ladies love it.
0: (laughs) Oh, pheromones. Man, dudes love to name check pheromones. And we're like, yeah, you need to take a shower. (laughs) Uh, So that pretty much does it unfortunately for this episode but that leaves us with good news and that that's to find plugs where people can for, find out more about you it can't, where can people hear and see and read uh from you
2: i would say just just find just come find me on twitter and say hi uh there's a really annoying story about why there's an underscore in my in my name and i don't want to go into it it'll make me very angry so you're gonna find me at underscore all hallows cat like all hallows eve but with kat at the end uh that's just find me there find me there and then
1: we'll then we'll talk forever
0: there we go hey gina uh where can people find you on the internet
1: i write about 70s and 80s television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com
0: That's uh, right, people. Check it out today. Don't delay. Hey, you know, if you want to reach out to us here at the Kill by Kill pod, there's a couple uh, interesting ways to do it. You could uh, on Twitter at Kill by Kill pod or uh, have something longer to say than 140 characters. Email us. Kill by Kill pod at gmail.com. Instagram at Kill by Kill podcast. We do fun things there. Uh, That's pretty much it. If you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us, uh, with five stars, on, on uh, iTunes if you like the show or even love it. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Tell us what your favorite kill is in the Friday the 13th series. If you do that,
1: we will read it
0: on the air to you. That's our solemn promise to you, our faithful listener. And so that brings us to an end. But don't worry, friends. The body count continues next time. And so for myself and for Kat and for Gina... Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.
2: Bye.
0: Kill by kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.